Welcome back, everybody, to the Cancel for Maintenance podcast. If this is your first time joining us, we are a podcast that takes a behind-the-scenes look into the gritty, non-glamorous life of aviation maintenance. We share some laughs, impart some wisdom, all in hopes of giving you that split-seconds relief in your day that can prevent mishaps. I am Six. I'm MVP. And our third man, Shoreline, is silently in the back, making sure our audio is all good to go. And our faces stay good for radio. (laughs) 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 Always, always the silent freaking ninja, the silent professional that he is, man. We appreciate you so much, Shoreline. Thank you so much. So today's topic, uh, it's kind of a buildup from a previous episode about total quality maintenance, um, totally quality management, sorry. Uh, TQM is, Eric quotes, the 3.0 of where we are today as both an industry, quality assurance, services, and so forth. Nowadays, everything with the way technology is progressing, the way digital transformation is progressing, that's kind of a buildup too from our previous digitization episode. Everything's going to, Eric quotes, 4.0 now. And all sorts of industries and manufacturing uh, areas are experimenting experimenting with this stuff. And we felt it as something that we can build up from our TQM episode. So what is Eric Holtz 4.0 with industry quality and so forth? Uh, as previously mentioned, it's kind of like a digital transformation where everything's a more like information heavy. It's like a modernization based on the three key movements in how we were as an industry. Like uh, before, uh, say, one, if we were to categorize that with 1.0, 2.0, etc. 1.0 would be like, say, the invention of steam uh, for an industrial movement. Like uh, machines are being powered by steam. Boats are being powered by steam. So that opened up a whole slew of stuff. Like um, we can relied less on having to bring more people to run stuff we relied less on artisans to be like the end-all be-all as far as making anything i mean as damaging that might be to some people but like when uh, when uh, steam and the machines came about it just blew things out of the water so we'd be able to make things faster we'd be able to make things more consistent and then 2.0 comes along and that's more like the what we know as like uh, the Henry Ford times, like the assembly line, mass production. So we're able to make things like more consistent, much faster, uh, more streamlined. So that at least like they're uh, all the things that came about with the assembly line. And so, yeah, uh, it's kind of interesting. Like, like six is talking about, they're calling it the fourth industrial revolution. Which kind of caught my eye, right? So Six brought up this topic uh, and sent me an article and I looked at at it and it said uh, to the fourth industrial revolution. I thought that that was pretty interesting. Um, You know, you kind of say, my gosh, well, wouldn't the fourth industrial revolution be, you know, deep space travel? And and, and in a way, I guess we're kind of there, right? If you look at the James Webb uh, telescope and some of the outstanding uh, pictures it's been taking, um, you look at what? You know, Elon has been doing at SpaceX and reusable rockets. I mean, hell, he's launching launching things out and recovering, you know, once or twice a week at this point. Um, so, so what what really uh, attracted me to this was uh, the it says it's merging the physical, digital, and biological wor- worlds. Yeah. So you know, and I think I thought to myself, uh, 
okay, I get the, the physical digital, but the biological, and that ties in with that, um, my gosh, six, what was uh, Elon calling it, where they put a chip in and you can, you pretty much have access to the world's information via this little microchip that interfaces with your, your neural system uh, in, your, in your body. Ooh, I know what you're talking about. Uh, I, I know what you're talking about, but it's not popping up right now. I probably need a chip myself in my brain to, <laughs> to remember half the shit. That I <laughs> well, yeah, it's, it was one of those where, you know, he says that people can, you'd be able to communicate with anybody anywhere in the world without even having to speak. Uh, if if Six is speaking to me in Mandarin and I'm speaking back to him in, I don't know, uh, Spanish, you know, it'll auto translate in real time, but we would never even have to open our mouths. It would just be across the airwaves, I guess, which is pretty awesome, but also kind of terrifying uh, in a way. Now, why is it terrifying? Well, uh, can that can that thing, you know, whoever controls the master file, can uh, can they shut me down at any point in time? Look, I saw the movie The Kingsman. Samuel L. Jackson was the bad guy, and those chips he was putting in people were blowing up. So, yeah. You know, I, I remember that movie too. I'm all, I'm also thinking of like RoboCop. You know what I mean? Where like just they pre-program a set of boundaries, and like you think you're being independent, but it's really the boundaries like kicking in. You know, telling your brain that, or telling your conscious side that you're you're doing what you're what you feel like doing, but it's actually you're just staying within the lines that's pre-programmed. You know, and then when you're not with it, they just kind of shut you down like a like an off switch. <laughs> yeah, or would it turn into like that movie Surrogate with uh, Bruce Willis, where he's just yeah, laying yeah. in his apartment and he's got a, well, actually it wasn't him. It was somebody else or was it him? I can't remember, but if he was a surrogate or not, but somebody else, right. There was just like, uh, I remember it was like a, a super fat guy in his apartment and he was, he was a surrogate. It was like a super hot female and he oh, was just yeah, driving yeah. her all over the city and stuff. But yeah, I wonder if it ended up being something like that too. too. But right. I don't have to go any work anymore. But my surrogate does. <laughs> yeah. oh, I got him. <laughs> right. So in the scope of aviation, uh, when, with the past three industrial revolutions, that meant like raw materials can be converted into usable parts and assemblies way quicker than it, than it could possibly be in previous iterations. Uh, or sometimes even be able to be produced in a way that was non-existent in the years prior. Uh, example is like titanium, right? Like, uh, I think it was, I can't remember exactly when titanium became a mass produced item, but nowadays you see airplanes, there's a good chunk of it in there, which is if anyone's ever worked with titanium, it's very rough to work with. Like um, it's very hard to mold. It's very hard to form. And once it's in a malleable position, it's, it reacts very uh, strongly to all the outside elements like oxygen, <laughs> for instance. Um and so like with quality concerns, right, that defects became easier to detect. It became easier to, in some cases to prevent. Uh, outputs no longer relied on a limited number of skilled artisans to accomplish the work. Uh, now, and crafts and trades, for instance, have become very standardized and more teachable uh, in this current iteration of the revolution. So with 4.0 coming into the mix, uh, the advances to technology, cyberspace advances, as MVP has said, artificial intelligence, program algorithms. Hell, man, like uh, social media algorithms can predict you almost to a T of what you're wanting to do or capable of doing. Like uh, examples, like uh, we search 
or we feel like we're searching something on Amazon or whatever else. And then that's all you see in your feed for like the next two weeks. You know what I mean? Like you had an, you had an idea of wanting to purchase furniture. So like social media and all these other platforms just like, just start down and dumping you with, with furniture ideas. (laughs) And Eric this may be spying, but also it's just your habits. Like the algorithm so good at predicting your habits. It's almost precognition. Uh, what's like, what's that one, uh, uh, scene in God of War, um, like where they're able, they're not actually predicting the future. They just, you're just so predictable as a person that they feel like it feels like they can predict the future. Um, <laughs> uh, but, uh, access to like all this data and communicated across various networks, mostly through wireless that it, it's pretty much outpacing the physical almost because of how fast everything can process and how fast everything can be uh, sent across various lines of communication. And so like with 4.0 coming about, it, it opens a whole slew of worlds that um, make things much faster, make things more uh, accessible. And sometimes like the, the digital transformation almost runs itself. If that makes any sort of sense to anybody. Well, I think it starts tapping with the, the artificial intelligence side, right? Yeah. The Skynet. We just had a conversation earlier this week uh, in my shop talking about uh, Skynet. And, and that's how, you know, we've, like, we've seen this before, right? I think there was a <laughs> 1980s movie yeah. about this. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, ah, uh, wait a minute. Or, or uh, for some people who, who weren't around when, when uh, Skynet came about, it's like the Ultron from Avengers, you know, like he's anywhere and everywhere. And it only takes like a second for him to transmit his, his uh, consciousness from one area of the world to the next. And what this can mean for us in aviation, say, is um, with uh, industry 4.0, quality 4.0, and everything 4.0 is it. it it uh, opens more lines for creativity, right? Like engineers can make air quote, make things without having to use physical materials to do it. And the physical materials they do have, it's like cheap. Like uh, if you were to tell somebody 15 years ago, actually like sometimes even uh, five years ago that you can print apart from your computer to a no shit printer, they will probably call you crazy. Like, what or even when or even when 3d printing became a thing it was just at the time it was, when it first came about it was just reduced to like just simple solid objects like uh statues uh a ping pong ball for instance or something solid like a cube nowadays hell you can print whole car parts from a 3d printer well i was just going to jump in and say so a number of years ago not, i mean not too far long ago but uh, down at Cape Canaveral, they uh, built an entire rocket uh, out of 3D printed material, um, like composites or whatever. Uh-huh. Even even the combustion cases and every well, I think part of the combustion case was titanium, but like the outer shell and everything and the and the whole structure, everything was 3D printed, and it went up over a hundred thousand feet. Wow! Like that's you know. I can't believe it could withstand the heat, the temperature changes, everything else. But yeah, everything was 3D printed. Yeah. Can you imagine that, man? Like, uh, I remember when 3D printing first came about. I mean, everyone says, oh, this is going to change the world. At first, I thought like, okay, it's printing plastic, right? Simple plastic parts. I can get it. Like your car hood or like the door handles 
or something like that, right? Like, okay, but w- how do you print uh, 3D print metal? And then sure enough, someone says, you know what? Challenge accepted. I got this. And they somehow, some way figured out how to 3D print metal. Like, and uh, I think there was this one car show um, that actually showed how they did it. And to see here that, that we're making full-on rockets now that go up in the orbit and survive <laughs> and come back down. That's, what my, that's mind-blowing, right? So imagine like people as engineers, like, you know, you, I think that was one of, a made, one of the major um, avenue cutoffs or avenue choke points was ha- you have people who have very strong engineering minds, but they're limited by the resources they have. Like uh, when, uh, when they were making airplanes, they only, all they had was balsa wood and canvas, right? And then nowadays we have all sorts of composites, all sorts of metal, which now that with the, like, for example, with 3D printing, it's so easy to do. And you can prototype a lot of this stuff without uh, having to go through the extra effort of manufacturing this from the ground up. And I think that was one of the major challenges too, when aviation really took off with its, uh, well, with its innovations is a lot of the stuff was very limited to physical prototyping like you actually have to have a whole manufacturing setup with people in it who knew what they were doing to make whole ass planes and then just pray that this thing doesn't wreck <laughs> when you go for its first flight <laughs> so yeah no kidding but here, here's one of the things where i think uh this 4.0 can can uh, how it'll change aviation at least, you know, maybe I'm, I'm out left field, but here, I'll give you my thoughts. Yep. So with your cell phone right now, uh, they can send updates over the airwaves. You don't have to physically plug in your phone to a, in, an internet connection or whatever else. They can just do it through Wi-Fi, send the updates, you tap yes on your phone, and the phone updates itself, and you've got new software, new capabilities, bug fixes, all that kind of stuff. Well. Majority of our aircraft and spacecraft in today's realm, from your fifth-gen fighters to your uh, unmanned assets to your uh, even your 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 manned uh, airliners, right? Um, they're pretty smart in that they can kind of detect their own faults and tell you what's wrong, and and order their own parts. Well, well, what if as the plane's flying and a fault a fault happens, you get a little warning. And it sends a signal back to base uh, and you got an engineer on the line. He gets a little notification on the computer and he real-time codes in a fix to that software problem, assuming it's a software problem. Obviously, it's a mechanical failure. Different story. Right. But software-wise or, or coding-wise, you could almost fix those anomalies real-time. So the only thing you would really need to do on the ground is uh, fluid changes, um, you know, actual physical part swaps for a mechanical failure and fueling but but by the same token uh what if you had then air-to-air refuelers for airlines i mean you could you could extend out well you could essentially fly anywhere in the world again you're only coming down for for the actual physical inspections and whatever else but all that all that software wise could be fixed on the spot on Almost, I guess, in theory, that, that's my thoughts on it. Anyhow, yeah, of you know where what? it'll go first. Oh yeah, most def. And then uh, expanding a little bit on this, right? Like since everything is very 
like uh, connected wirelessly and whatnot. And uh, for example, like the parts you mentioned, it can tell you what's wrong with it. Uh, being able to have all that data to tell you like the average life cycle of a part. And then you could also like predict what a, a specific part can potentially do for maintenance guys. This can lead to other things like, like how we can predict when to do maintenance on something or when we, if we install something, we, we can expect like the light, the life cycle of this to increase or decrease. It's kind of like uh, when you pick options uh, on your computer settings, like your battery will last this long. If you choose this setting, your, your uh, performance would be this high or this low, depending on this uh, added whatever. So what this can mean, especially uh, alongside with, uh, for maintenance sake, is when we do things, we, we have a, a, a very close prediction of where this thing is going to land up next. Like if we did an oil change now, how long is, how long is the life expectancy going to increase? Or is it going to increase at all? Is it going to decrease? If we change parts now from this vendor or from this uh, model type, how long are we expecting this thing to fly before we have to ground it or do another oil change, et cetera, et cetera. And that, 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 uh, expands our knowledge on the logistics of it all because um, it, it can tell us uh, how many mechanics can are we needed to do a job here or uh, where can we move them about or do we need that many on this section or we can move them this way there's so many applications to this and the crazy part of all of it is like it's just so uh, such an inflow of, of information coming through and it's all being transmitted like real time uh, as MVP mentioned that we can almost uh, have precognition of where the parts or the aircraft or the need is going to be. And an uh, example, like we see this now is like, say with customer feedback, uh, we kind of joke about it uh, all the time. like say Yelp or five-star ratings or reviews or whatever the case may be, or like in the airline industry is like a uh, customer feedback whenever their baggages are coming and going from the plane, or if there's any updates to their flights and stuff like that. It may seem uh, very uh, disconnected, say. It may seem very, like, whatever to us. But that information is big, especially when you're the bean counters making all these big kid decisions. If you're getting immediate, real-time feedback from a customer who's using your product or service, that's huge. Because most times, you know, like, what happens uh, in, in the way back days, like, you would have to mail out a survey or you have to corner somebody and ask them questions and, of course, you know, whenever you stick a piece of a stick of survey in front of somebody or corner them, ask a question, they're going to just do enough to get you out of the way, <laughs> you know, but uh, when it's say like it's a cell phone or or some kind of application or whatever, where it's like it's just like pings in their phone, like, hey, how was your day? How was your trip? Two stars or whatever, you know, like was your baggage on time? Yes. Or some shit like that. Uh if we applied that to say maintenance, for instance, like, hey, is the part doing fine? Yes. Or uh, how much more flight hours does this have? This many. That turns into real-time action that you can use to, to plan out whatever it is you're going to do. And say like if it has like a 10-hour flight limit, I'm not going to send it from Florida and fly it all the way to freaking to Beijing. You know, it's just not going to fucking happen. <laughs> so, right. So... Uh, a lot of this stuff, it, it can cause or it can create huge disruptions physically. Uh, what I mean by that is like, uh, example, like when the pandemic hit, uh, brick and mortar stores were like almost like 
went under completely because everything was all just online buys via Amazon or wherever the hell else. So like being able to digitally predict or diagnose and or give a solution to these things without having to physically be there, that's huge. And then likewise, say like for if we're going to manufacture parts, we can manufacture these in digital space. We're not even in the same state. And this thing is just running around doing whatever it needs to robotically or cybernetically, whatever the case may be. And then the physical people are there are more so to just be the innovators to make sure that it's running correctly, that they can create more projects or whatever the case may be. There's so many applications of this. Um, or it could just all get too smart for us, turn into Skynet and then enslave us. <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting. So you kind of said not even being in the same area. So, okay, with this fourth industrial revolution, what if you and I are out on the ramp or uh, no, let me, let me start this over. The air, aircraft's uh, flying around, and and we know that it's got whatever come and do, or you know, parts come and do, and this and that and the other. And you and I are on the ground waiting for it to land, so we can start that phase maintenance. But we know we got to swap out these parts during this phase because of high time items or whatever else. Right. The plane, or you and I, or however it wants to do, will order those parts. But it's not like they're just sitting on a shelf. What if those parts then they get sent over to um, they get sent over to the facility where there's a bunch of 3D printers and it starts making those parts on the spot. So now we don't have a bunch of supply uh, and parts just sitting on the shelves, um, you know, collecting dust and waiting for whenever phase maintenance. They're just made real time. So now we can save money on storage spaces. And invest that money into the space and, and allocating for whatever 3D components, composites, metals, whatever else, you know, and print it on the spot. And then they get sent to us and we install them right there uh, uh, as we're doing the phase maintenance. That's a pretty poor explanation on my end. I, I have a vision in my head uh, and I, I apologize, everyone, uh, if that didn't come across clear enough. But you get what I'm saying. We don't have 10,000 square foot warehouse sitting there full of parts. We maybe only need a 5,000 square foot warehouse to store uh, certain components, you know, wheel assemblies, whatever else. But for bushings, packings, you know, O-rings, other stuff, maybe those can be made almost real time. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I don't know. You know, somebody out there, I'm sure, will let me know that, I well, MVP, we can't do this because of X, Y, Z reasons. And you're probably right. But I'm just kind of thinking, like, how that would you could eliminate, um, uh, you could minimize time, right? This goes back into that total quality uh, management and, and, and the agile aspects of lean manufacturing, right? right. And you're eliminating waste where yes. you can. Yes, I, 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 I knew exactly what you're going with. And, uh, and, and an idea that came in my head as you're saying this is, uh, or a concept, sorry, is like print on demand. Uh, a, yeah, lot, a lot of shops, a lot of stores, a lot of products are print on demand nowadays. And the reason why is exactly that. Like storage costs money, <laughs> right? Uh, if you notice a lot of areas nowadays, they're trying to go to a print on demand or if they have it in stock, it's usually that this is going to come off the shelf like almost immediately. So uh, the print on demand stuff, uh, as MVP was alluding to, that this is assuming that the quality of the product is going to be top notch. Like we can predict the to almost to a 
precognition degree that of how likely this product is going to work and and uh perform so let, let's assume that we know exactly what it's going to do to like say uh, a nano degree for instance if we have a we have a, an ability to print on demand what we need we only order what we need and we get what we need in a timely manner i don't know like what's the turnaround time going to be but uh, co- co- compared to like we we just make an overage of parts which we assume we're gonna need, and it just sits on the shelf until obsolete, and then we're just tossing this into the trash because the demand for it didn't rise to the occasion or, or whatever else. So yeah, I think that ordering on demand is correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it's called like a Kanban process. Yeah, K A N B A N. I think it was uh, I think it was uh, kind of honed uh developed and honed and perfected by uh toyota yes i'm not mistaken the the masterminds of toyota again and yes uh so what mvp is talking about the kanban that's like the pull system which means like we there have like pull. we have like xyz on a board but only so much and it only gets given to the people that need it when they need it right that that air quote just in time uh production you know what i mean um that goes again. That's going back to lean. And if 4.0 takes off and it and it and it gets fully implemented, lean is going to be like as lean as it can be, like the freaking fastest swimmer in the pool kind of lean, you know. <laughs> and honestly, that's a great thing. Uh, this may sound terrible to a lot of people. We uh, we've seen some backlash that it's going to put people out of a job. Yes and no. I personally, I don't think it's going to put people out of a job. I think it's going to give people. Well, I mean, it might, but no, I think your talents are going to be reallocated to maybe more of a programming or, a you know, you might be taking, you might be maintaining uh, the robot over the process. Yes. Right. Yeah. Your, your, your works, your, your opportunities are expanding more. So now you're not just doing the physical labor, unless that's what you love to do by, by all means, but you're open to explore new opportunities, right? Like, uh, being the one who ma- who maintains the robot, being the one who programs the machine, being the one who creates the product. Who knows, right? Um, so that's kind of where I see on that. I mean, are we ever going to phase out maintainers and technicians altogether? Heck no. I fully feel, even if we had like the smartest robots in the world, like Star Wars style robots, they're We're still- like back to one of our earliest uh, episodes where we talked about Having like our own little personal R two D two maintenance robot that follows us around. I still be down makes, for that. <laughs> right, that makes coffee. That has all the the manual references. That can uh, do your paperwork for you. You know, in the digital sense. Um, uh, you know. Yeah. You're, I think you're still gonna have. You're still gonna have to have a hands on. It's just. It's just the way it is because. Look, any of us who've worked on a flight line, it, it's going to be real hard to autom- automate launch spots or uh, gate gates at, at an air at a major airport right let's look at uh let's look at lax for example uh that thing there is so much construction going on there right now and and things are constantly moved around aircraft are adjusted a little bit off to the sides or whatever else to accommodate this expansion that the airport's undergoing uh but if you have that automated each spot and you pull it in you have to line it up right on these squares and then it'll jack itself up robots will come change tires out fluids whatever that's that's very costly up front to do all that although be it maybe 50 years from now after we're all gone you know it might be 
some added benefit and you'll get your money back. But it's really hard to do that in a in an operational settings. In a manufacturing production sense, yeah, man, automation makes sense all day. But from an operation standpoint, it gets very difficult to automate uh, something where everything, where your environment keeps changing. Yes, yes, very much so. And and especially when decisions got to make be made on the spot, you can only predict chaos so much, right? And especially somewhere like a flight line, a flight deck, or like the maintenance field, it's. I mean, yeah, you can roll the dice on that one. That so, I don't think personally, like maintainers and or pilots or air crew is going to be dissolving anytime soon. Maybe we need less of them because like a lot of them, the machining and the predictive maintenance has figured out a way to make this more efficient. Hey, you know, I would probably be angering a lot of people by saying that, but I mean, it, it opens more opportunity for us to, to be more creative with what we do. Right. Not instead of just like, um, for lack of better words, like grinding till the wheels fall off, you know. <laughs> so yeah, what we call them the other day, death march, death march projects, death marches. Yeah. Yes, that's it. You know, okay, they, so look at it that way, right? So, so instead of being put into a death march project where you're working twelve days a week, hey, you only got to work. Uh, hell, you might only work four days a week, and the and the robots will work work around the clock, right? You know, I mean, you're coming in essentially your hours there to maintain. Uh, the robots to co- recode the robots to load material into the 3D printers to to or or your time will be spent turning and burning out on the line, you know. Yeah, um, like and, and in the background, all the maintenance you know is being done by by the robots. Think about how much time you could save on phase maintenance. Oh, for real. Now yeah. you can't take away. You know, obviously, we have machines like to, to do NDI, you know, and stuff during corrosion inspections. Um, but think about how much time can be saved if you had you pull it in on there and you got robots that are pulling all your panels and your skin uh, pieces off and this and that and the other drilling out rivets uh, to expose the areas you need to look at. So maybe, you know, you're still a, a maintainer, but maybe at that point in the phase cycle, you're more of a end item quality inspector yeah or, or you know you, you you know okay you have 100 steps in this phase maintenance and at every 10 steps you got to come in and inspect the work that was previously done you know um yeah. just and again yeah that'll probably upset some people oh, they took our jobs well <laughs> i mean <laughs> i mean in, in one aspect yes but your talents will be reallocated to other things you're going to be looking at what other processes can be streamlined, right? You're going to be uh, figuring out opportunities to how to grow your business. Okay, well, we have this super automated. We've actually taken a phase maintenance that's supposed to take 100 hours and we've reduced it to 20 because of automation. Uh, So now you can white paper that to corporate and say, hey, we can offer this. We We can offer this service to other airlines. Like the smaller airlines who kind of really don't have their own hub so to speak mm-hmm. um they bring their bring their aircraft in and 20 hours later boom it's done and over with and they get their they get their bird back uh into service right. i don't know i'm just spitballing in this this fourth age uh uh industrial revolution here right but i mean but you're absolutely right you know like uh as, as sad and damning it is for some individuals right 
by automating the more mundane processes, by automating some of the stuff that doesn't really require like uh, death marching work within any industry, really. Uh, new human-based positions, whatever those are, it become more available for you to, to be more strategic with it, to be more creative with it, to be able to uh, uh, to experiment with it, right? And within this fourth industrial revolution, so to speak, you know, like the future of aviation in all aspects is very bright, right? And we see this as a big opportunity for both the quality individual, for the maintenance technician, for the pilot, for the air crew, everybody involved. Uh, especially with, like, say, with the the people who have to make decisions real time, like life critical decisions in the, well, in, the in split seconds, you know. Like, well, that's uh, exactly what I was going to say. I was going to say for anybody who's nervous about what we just said, uh, look at pilots. Planes have been able to take off, land, fly themselves for a very long time, and we still have pilots, right? Yeah. Uh, and why is that? Because somebody has to, you know, it, you're the, they're the fail safe essentially, or they it's one without the other. Uh, you know, one monitors the other, but but yeah, somebody make a real time decision because if there's an anomaly, you know, the aircraft's going to go. Okay, here's where I'm going. I'm pre I'm pre programmed to do that, but the pilot might go. Well, that's not going to work because that for whatever reason. So the yep. pilot would make that decision. And, you know, the machine doesn't care about your life. Yep, exactly. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but exactly. the pilot cares about his and yours. So. Uh, they're going to do make the best decision, I think, to uh, to minimize damages and loss of life. Uh, whereas the vehicle is going to go self-preservation mode type thing. I don't know. Right. Uh, exactly that. Uh, another uh, fictitious example is like, say, like uh, uh, the, the robot is doing or the AI is doing NDI on something. It sees a burr on the skin it thinks it's a hole so it starts like ripping the skin off like whoa time out what the hell are you doing it was just like a reflection like a very direct angle reflection that kind of simulated a bird like and this thing just like went full ape shit and decided to just rip panels like whoa time the fuck out what are you doing <laughs> oh that's a yeah that's a good point i didn't even think about that yeah uh, uh miss uh miss um Holy hell, I'm at a like, loss for words here. Uh, like misdiagnosed, yeah. Misdiagnosis, yeah. Yeah, because uh, even like uh, we've seen some planes that, that are very smart that can tell you what's wrong with it. But it, that's assuming that all the systems are working in line with each other. And we see them happen all the time where like uh, like something in the system, air quotes, broke or it's not getting enough volts to do its accurate reading. And this thing thinks it's upside down. So the plane like tries to retract gears and restart engines or some shit like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But that's that's very exaggerated, but it uh Well actually that's a great point. So you know, we had a software change on, on one aircraft, a uh, particular model of aircraft years ago. And as soon as you put you know, you turned on power, the gear started retracting. And it wouldn't stop itself. The air, it wasn't smart enough to go. Oh, I shouldn't be doing this at this time. Oh, the command said, but you being the human go, that's not supposed to happen. And you were able to kill power before it caused any da real damages or anything else. Right. So that's where the human factor is still, you know, he, we talk about human factors being uh, a negative thing sometimes, but that's where there's a positive to it. Right. You go, Nope, that's not, that's not right. Shut that down. Cause the machine goes, uh, it does what it's told. Right. Yep. You know, I'm a good soldier. Uh, <laughs> you know, private doesn't know any better um so that's where the 
that's where that's where the human side will still play a part. Or look at uh, new aircraft development, right? I don't know yes. if anybody out there is. I'm sure a bunch of you have, but you were on a brand new aircraft design, right? Look at it's like to so say the sixth gen or fifth. What are we on? Fifth or sixth gen? Fifth gen? Uh, I think fighters. Uh, yeah, I want to say like fifth. Yeah, or, or okay. Sixth. So, like, let's look at the F thirty five for example. Yep. Uh, they just didn't program some stuff into a computer, and the robots started making the F thirty five. Now, I mean, the, a lot of the the surface materials and stuff were, you know, obviously, you know, probably made in a machine or whatever else. But on that very first concept one, I mean, it was all hands on deck with human hands putting things together because, as we all know, building a new aircraft for the first time really can't be automated. I mean, when you're developing a new design, like once you get all the measurements and everything down, right? So all oh, these holes didn't line up. So engineering has got to go back and re remath out how they're supposed to align. And your sheet metal technicians go in and do all their, their, you know, wizardry and, Oh, well that software. And then everything else, uh, you know, the technicians go, Hey, this software is not working because uh, this one code, you know, it works through here, but step five, uh, when we go to move flaps, it actually moves ailerons. That's not good. So a lot of that stuff has to be fleshed out. And once it's done and, and good to go, and you do a couple of test flights on it, then you can start automating the design because now you have all that data gathered from the initial build. The engineer has collected all that data, and now that gets input into the machines who then start building your, your, your assemblies, sub-assemblies, uh, whatever else. But there still has to be, even on the largest production lines, there are still people there to ensure that it's done the right way. Right. Uh, you know, Six, you can probably speak more to that uh, as you've been in that environment more recently than I have. But, you know, that's, that's kind of one aspect of it. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of the blend where you see the blend of the biological and the technological right and uh uh going a little bit deeper in this which i'm hoping this is where it's going to go to is uh all these advances with the technology piece 4.0 this 4.0 that it eventually is going to expand on the human factors side of the house right like human factors 4.0 for lack of a better word right like what this means is like we're able to be more engaged with the people who make things happen and the people who the product or service is helping like uh we're able to get feedback from the people on the line. We're able to get feedback from the people in the plane, all sorts of stuff. So then we can make predictions of like, or make uh, informed decisions of what the people are doing, what they need, what they can do, and where can they be uh, uh, applied to, right? And that is huge because a lot of times, especially like when it comes to like human factors, uh, we you could say there's experts uh, up the wazoo, but for the most part, it's like a best guess, right? Especially when it comes to people. <laughs> like uh, right. everyone has their feelings, everyone has their own motivations, everyone has their goal, which is why there's like this huge like like classes and gurus up the wazoo on how to get people to do things. <laughs> so, but having something like this uh, advance, it actually helps us as well because now it help it uh, it gives us more in-depth knowledge of the people who do the do and we're able to better accommodate them because we don't have to death march them through uh, strenuous work and if we do have to do some stuff like that it's very directed it's very uh predictable it's very uh 
how do I say purposed? <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> hopefully purposed. Yeah. Hopefully purpose. And that actually helps us in the long run because now I'm not breaking my back trying to haul ass a 150 pound toolbox. Now now it drives itself, right? Or even the plane comes with onboard tools or some shit like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> so hopeful thinking. That's what I'm hoping. And, uh, and it's slowly but surely getting there. And well, yeah, uh, think okay, so think about that. That's a good point. So, you know, you're working, you're working in a major airport. And you, you just clocked in for your shift for the day. And, you know, you sit around, your, your, your lead says, all right, here's what's going to happen. You're working this, you're working that, you're working the other. And you go over to the tool crib and, you know, you punch in and you've got your own assigned robotics toolbox. And it's got, you know, all the tools you need. It's got your, your maintenance manual and it's already got your parts preloaded, right? So the aircraft have been flying, have been ordering up their parts. You say, all right, I got to go to spot you know, I got to go to gate 12 and uh, I got to do whatever maintenance over there, but all, everything's already been ordered and put on your, put on your, your, uh, go-kart essentially for the, for your job. You know, you don't have to spend time going over to supply and like, I need this, I need that. And blah, blah, blah. It's already there ready for, ready for you just to get to work. Yep. Exactly. You know, like less time spent trying to fit, uh, fidget for stuff. It's already like every, he said, it's all preloaded. It's ready to go. So you just do to do by getting the job done and then going back to whatever it is you're doing prior. Uh, that it's, there's people out there who would hate that. They would try to milk out some, uh, some work, but Hey, you know what I mean? That's sad to say, you know, like it's those kind of individuals that need to get with it or get off the bus. You know what I mean? We're trying to put the right people on the bus and get the wrong people off the bus for lack of better terms. But it is what it is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. We're, all, we're all about getting things done right and getting it done safely and getting it done efficiently. So how I feel this stuff is going to progress, it's already happening. It's a, it's a thing that's, gonna be, that's getting a lot of people very excited. So with that much excitement going, you know it's going to get pushed. You know it's going to hit the floor someday soon in full force. So the best thing we say, at least from us, is uh, understand what it is, learn from it, see how you can take advantage of it, and then apply it in some way, shape, or form. So when this stuff does go full force, you're not the one getting the slapstick in the face and trying to adapt to something that's eons away from what we're doing now and get on get on the bus quicker. So it's less of a culture shock when you have to do the transition. Because it's one thing of being informed and slowly easing into it than just getting slapped in the face and just say adapt and overcome or get up and get out you know so uh, right. that's that's kind of like how i feel about that uh anything else about aviation and everything 4.0 mr mvp i think it's going to be curious to see where it gets implemented first i again for my own opinion i think it's going to be software first as i mentioned earlier in the episode I think that uh, real-time coding fixes as faults occur in flight are going to be uh, the number one uh, best bang for the buck in 4.0, right? Instead yep. of uh, you might have a fault, they say, oh, we got to divert. Now, let me just uh, let me just recode you real quick. Boom, there you go. And you're off and running. Um, that, that's my opinion, uh, but I'll be curious to see where it goes. And uh, I'm a double tap on yours, like the Kanban push pull system that you mentioned. 
I think that's going to be the next phase of 4.0 is being able to uh, reduce almost everything to a form of a pull system or Kanban. And a good example you've mentioned was the tool crib parts uh, scenario. It sounds far-fetched, but I mean, planes, if you look at it, planes 100 years ago was pretty far-fetched. And here we are freaking sending supersonic jets into space and stuff from 3D printed parts. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, essentially... You know, you could say it's a blending of an Amazon warehouse and and uh, a tool crib. Yeah. And a flight line, you know? Yeah, exactly. And hey, let us know what you think. Are we way off base? Do you think a lot of this stuff is already happening? Is it far from it? Uh, what's your thoughts on 4.0? Should we downgrade or just stay where we are to because of XYZ reasons? Let us know in the comments. Let us know on social media, our website, our email, whichever is easiest for you. The absolute best way to get a hold of us and interact with us is by joining us on Discord through our Patreon. We have all sorts of conversations like this on the reg. We interact with our listeners in the most connected way possible through Discord. And uh, and, and that, and we also have our comics. So that's another way of how we uh, connect with uh, listeners. So let us know. Uh, tell us what your thoughts are. And... Uh, if there's anything else we can expand on and make a future episode with. On that note, we appreciate everyone for listening and we will catch you all again on the next one. Bye, everybody. Bye. We would like to take this time to thank our patrons for supporting our show and allowing us to make episodes, maintain our gear, and create merch for all of our listeners. With special thanks to Erica Lamont, Chris Hawkins, Eric Shaw, Dan Schubert, Ryan Frushauer, Kyle Keir, Mike Sherwood, Caleb Stockhill, and Jennifer Brofer. Thank you all so much for your support and patronage. If you like our show, please support us on Patreon. You'll receive awesome perks like access to our private Discord, discounts and early access to our merch, first glimpse of our comics and other projects, and so much more. You can further support us and show off your prowess as an aircraft specialist by visiting our shop at cancelformaintenance.com. If you like classy or rugged watches, visit our affiliate Rockwell Time at rockwelltime.com. Use the code CX, the number 4MX, to save 10% off your total order. If you have suggestions for the show or you'd like to be a guest on the show, send us a line on our contact us section at cancelformainness.com and we'll do what we can to get both your ideas and yourself on the show. Please support us on social media like Facebook at Cancel for Maintenance. Instagram at C-A-N-X for Maintenance Podcast or Twitter at C-X-M-X Podcast. Please check out our new comic series on the Tapas app. Like, share, subscribe, and comment on our comics. Let us know what you think. Thank you all so much for your support and listenership, and we will catch you all next time.